0: So if you guys would open back up to Philippians chapter 3. You know, the, the Apostle Paul met Christ on the road to Damascus. He never forgot about that encounter. In fact, he shared the story often. It renewed his heart. It restored his heart. It revived his commitment to follow Christ. It reminded him why he signed up to begin with. Peter met Jesus... When he was fishing. And they went through a dramatic uh, season together after the death, burial, and resurrection. And guess where Jesus once again reclaimed Peter's calling? On the shores of Galilee. And Peter remembered that and it reminded him and it revived the initial commitment that he made. Now, I, I became a follower of Jesus Christ at a young age... And I, I went off on my own, I, I rebelled against the Lord through high school, and, and about halfway through my high school years, I totally recommitted my life to Christ, I've shared that story before, but then I entered into college, and I was a young life leader, I was studying finance at UTA, and, and I was a young life leader, and in between, in between lunches, I would go to meet kids in the high school and first lunch and then second lunch. And my goal was always to, to meet a group of kids from various tables. So I'd meet the athletic table. The, I would get to know kids from the cheerleader table. I'd get to know kids from the 4.9 GPA table. I would get to know kids who were all dressed in black and wrote leave me alone on their shoes table. And I would try to get to know kids from all the different tables and build relationships with them and uh, find out like when their football game was so I could go watch them play and just wave at them. And, and so in between first lunch... And second lunch, I had some time to kill. I think it was about thirty minutes well it was it was too short a time to to drive back to Fort Worth and drive to Arlington and back to the school and and um, Yet it was too long a time to be convenient so i was also struggling through and wrestling through decisions in my life in this particular season which way to go what should my life be about and i had just read a book by max lucado back in that day and he said something in that book and he said sometimes when you have a big decision to make it can be wise to go to a cemetery and pray because it provides an eternal perspective on things so i took his advice and I went to a cemetery that was nearby the school. It's where, in fact, Lee Harvey Oswald is buried in, in an unmarked grave uh, because people would mess with the tomb over the years. So I went there to pray. And I found the biggest tree that was away from the roads and the quietest part of the cemetery right in the middle of Fort Worth. And I would just spend time with the Lord. And I noticed that, I noticed that there was a... a um, a grave right in front of me with a, with a picture embedded onto the marble of the kid who died. His name was Douglas Ray Trantham. He was born in 1929. He died in 1945, 15 years of age. Mr. and Mrs. Trantham were buried right behind him. and the, They passed away in the 70s. Now, the tree I was sitting underneath was a huge oak tree. And as I was praying, God, what do you want my life to be about? Should I quit young life? Should I try to finish up through school? I was working a couple of jobs to try to get through school. Should I let one of the jobs go? I can't because I have to pay for school. Uh, my, my, my grades are struggling, but young life is consuming most of my time and energy, and it's just bearing nothing but frustration. Maybe I should let the ministry go. What, what do you want my life to be about? And As I was praying, I imagined this big oak tree, just a freshly planted tree back in 1945 and douglas's casket on top of the ground and mr and mrs trantham and others dressed in black gathered around it and i thought i wonder if douglas had any idea that his 15th birthday would be his last and then i thought i wonder where douglas is today over the last 45 55 years where has douglas been in eternity You see, we're not, we're not people who have a soul, we are souls that have a body. The real essence of us is not our body, the real essence of us is our spirit. We are made in the image of God, and that means that we are eternal souls. We can no more extinguish our souls as God can be extinguished himself. We are made in his image. Our souls, our spirit are eternal. Sometimes I'll be with people in their bedsides as they take their final breaths in that tender, vulnerable moment as they transition from life to eternal life, and It is so obvious that the essence of that individual was not their body, it is their spirit, it is their soul. In fact, being with people in their bedsides and and those vulnerable, tender, seasons has done so much to bolster my faith because it is so apparent the essence of our lives are not our bodies it's our souls these bodies are just tents we wear for a little bit and then we leave them behind these bodies are no longer us as an old pair of boots that i had in my closet or me it's just something i wore that conformed to my feet a little bit but it's not me i moved on my old boots are in my closet the essence of us are our spirits we are eternal beings not our bodies. We will leave our bodies. We will enter into eternity in one of two places. With Christ or separate from Christ. In heaven or in hell. Scripture is clear. Scripture is unmistakable. There are things in Scripture that are uh, you could argue that they're, that they're cloudy, that they're unclear. Uh, pre or mid tribulationalism and so forth. But The reality that the essence of our lives are not our bodies, but our spirits, and our spirits will live forever in one of two places, heaven or hell, with Christ or apart from Christ, in eternal joy and life and love and glory, or in outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, that is clear. And I thought of Douglas. Did he know his 15th birthday would be his last? And for the last 50 years, where has he been? Then I thought of Mr. and Mrs. Trantham. Where are they? Did they have Christ to comfort them? Did they have Christ to heal them? Christ to carry them? Christ to restore them? Christ to make sense out of their excruciating pain in 1945? Did they have the God that heals, the God that comforts, the God that walks with them through the valley of the shadow of death, the God that brings beauty out of the ashes and joy out of the sorrow, did they know that God? Or did they weather that storm by themselves? And where are they now? And then I looked up and I saw that piece of marble stone. And I thought, I wonder where they are. And then that piece of marble stone, I wonder where they are. And that marble stone, I wonder where they are. I wonder where they are. I wonder where they are. And every marble stone represented somebody who lived, who loved, who dreamt, who was disappointed, who had a heartbreak, who was encouraged, who was discouraged, who had anxieties, who had fears, who had loss. And whatever their life was, it was a vapor. A vapor. What's a vapor? It's a puff of smoke. This is a vapor. You can see it and it extinguishes. Whatever our life is, it is a vapor. We are here and then we are in eternity. And I started thinking of the kids that I was building relationships with in Young Life April, Laura, June, Nick, Danny, Clint. And I thought, do they know this God who will carry them through every valley? In their lives? Do they know this God who will carry them into eternity so that their spirit will be with Christ in heaven? And right there in that cemetery on the east side, I raised my hands towards heaven and I said, God, whatever else my life is, in whatever context vocationally you want to place me. My prayer is that you would use me to lead people from the doors of death to life through faith in Jesus Christ because there is salvation in no other name than Jesus. And that has been the trajectory of my life ever since. I have not looked back. I have not regretted one moment where I signed up for the gospel of Jesus Christ and I said, here am I, Lord, send me. What is your life about? What path are you on? For example, if you're on I-35 and you're going north, you will eventually wind up in Denton. And if you keep going north, you will eventually wind up in Oklahoma. If you're on I-35 and you go south, you will eventually wind up in Waco. If you keep going, you will eventually wind up in Austin. If you keep going, you will eventually wind up in San Antonio. If you keep going on the path that you're on, where will you wind up? And a second question for you. Wherever that path leads you, is it worthy of the blood of Christ that bought you to make you His own? Is it worthy of the calling that He has placed on your life? Is it worthy of the name of Jesus Christ? He gave everything for us. Whatever path... That we are on, wherever it winds up, is it giving all that we have for Jesus Christ or are we holding something back? I appreciate the new year because it allows us to evaluate the past because we tend to be on the path that we're on and we're just stubbornly upon it or we're on it out of habit or we're on it because... It's what we were told to be on, or we're on it because it seemed to make sense to us at the time, or we're on a path because it's by default. We've never intentionally been on any other path, and we are on a path. But where is that path leading? And is it worthy of the name of Jesus Christ and his calling upon our lives? Or perhaps do we need to exit and do we need to make a U turn? And do we need to exchange an old path for a new path? So let's take a look at Philippians chapter 3, and I want to share with you three really beautiful things about about exchanging the old for the new in this incredible passage. And I love about this passage that we're talking about the Apostle Paul, undoubtedly the greatest evangelist, the greatest missionary, the greatest church planter, the greatest leader, perhaps the greatest Christian in the history of Christianity— And yet, he is not satisfied. He's not content. This is like like sitting down and talking with Tiger Woods and saying, I wished I won just one more championship, or talking with Michael Jordan and saying, I wished I won just one more championship. This is the the Apostle Paul saying, I'm not satisfied. I want to win one more soul. I want to surrender some area of the flesh. I I, I want to find one more place that I can surrender, one more place that I can repent, one more place in my life that I can be more like Christ. I'm not content with where I've been. I'm content with who I am in Christ. I'm content with the fact that He's clothed me with His righteousness. I'm secure in the reality that I'm heaven-bound. I'm content in my sufferings. I'm content in the valley. I'm content in the reality that nothing in this world can satisfy me. But as far as my relationship with Christ, I want to get closer. As far as the mission that He's given me, I want to lead one more person to Christ. This is Paul's version of Moses when he was on the mountaintop communing with God, and he said, God, I will not take another step unless you promise me that you will go with us. And God said, I'm not going to go because I would wipe out the people because they're so stubborn. I'm going to send an angel. I'll give you success. Don't worry about it, but I'm not going. And Moses said, God, any blessing apart from your presence is not good enough for me. I want no part of it. And how backwards we get that in the church today. Most churches are just, and even followers of Christ just care about the blessings of God and are indifferent to His presence. And even call church growth something good, even if it breaks the heart of God and doesn't reflect the character of Christ. Anything in our mission, anything in our life that doesn't reflect the character of Christ breaks the heart of Christ, and it's a blessing the world may esteem, but if it's Not inclusive of Christ's mission, of his character, of his calling, and if it's devoid of his presence, we want no part of it. And Moses said, God, I don't care about success if you're not with us. Because the only success in life is your presence. And God said, okay, you've won my heart over. I'll go with you. And Moses said, "Ah, that's not good enough. I want to see your face, God. God. I want to see your face. Moses was so presumptuous, and God liked that. I mean, he, he, he learned God's personal name, I Am. He heard God's voice at the burning bush. He experienced God's power with the ten plagues. He saw the parting of the Red Sea. Moses and the children of Israel were led by a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. He saw water gush from a rock. And now God had promised Moses his presence. And Moses said, It's not good enough, God. I'm not going to take another step until you show me your face. And so Moses, had, Moses was hidden in a cleft. God swept by and covered Moses' eyes for a moment and let him see the back of his face. And as a result, Moses' countenance radiated so brightly they had to put a bag over his face so he could communicate to the people. And when we have a heart for God's presence, when we have a heart to see God's face more than religion, more than accomplishments, more than what the world esteems as blessings, but when we want to know God, our faces radiate. And people know that we've spent time with Christ. And this is Paul's version of that experience in verse 10. He said, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And this is what Paul was doing as we, as we, as we exit 2017 and as we enter 2018. Exchange religion and accomplishments for relationship with Christ. Exchange religion and accomplishments for relationship with Christ. The world says, don't just stand there, do something, get busy. And God says, don't just do something, stand there, be still, and know that I am God. There's an intricate relationship in seeking the face of God and knowing God and being still and knowing God. So often we just do stuff and we say, bless it, God. And God said, I'm not going to bless that. I never told you to do that to begin with. But we have to be still and know that I am God and know that God is God. Know that Christ is God. We have to know him more personally. Our ambition cannot be accomplishments. Our ambition must be relationship. To know Christ like we've never known him before. ...to know Him more intimately than we've ever known Him before. Like the disciples who were walking with the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus... ...or not on the road to Damascus, but on the road to uh, Emmaus... ...and they didn't realize that they were with the resurrected Jesus. Their hearts were initially burdened, but as they continued to walk with Christ... ...their hearts were burning within them. And this is what it is when when we discard religion and we discard accomplishments and our ambition... It's not some ladder in this world, but our ambition is to carry our cross to know Christ like we've never known Him before. Our weary hearts will transition from burden to burning within us. And then when we realize that it was Christ, our hearts will go from burning within us to being satisfied in Christ. And you know that you're satisfied in Christ when nothing in this world will satisfy you. But when you find yourself being satisfied by so many things in this world, our hearts are so distracted, we can't be satisfied in Christ. In fact, our hearts are so distracted, the Word is not even comforting to us, but when we're transitioning from a heart that is burdened to a heart that is burning because we're walking with Christ, and we enter into the realm of a heart that is satisfied with Christ, everything in Scripture is new. You're reading a story you've read a hundred times. The, 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 the prodigal son, or Lazarus and the rich man, or Saul on the road to Damascus. And every word jumps off the pages. Everything is new and fresh and exciting and personal and relevant. It's because you've committed not to allow your heart to be satisfied in this world. You're on the path to be satisfied only in Christ. Your heart transitions from being burdened to burning to being satisfied in Christ. Everything in Scripture is new and fresh. ...and you long for more of Christ. This is exchanging religion and accomplishments for relationship. And when you're in this realm, you are a a fountain of testimonies. You're a fountain of testimonies about Jesus' goodness in your life... ...about His blessings upon you, about His favor, about His presence... ...about His power that's resting upon your life. So we have a testimony of one such fountain... Uh, this morning, and that is Betty, this awesome saint of the Lord. Betty, why don't you come on up and share a testimonium. You guys give it up for Betty, please. (laughs) To know Betty is to love Betty.
1: I told the Lord when I came back to the house, his house that I would give him praise, and I'm thankful for this opportunity. About two weeks ago, uh, I was struck with sudden pain like I've never experienced, did not know what was going on. I was rushed to the hospital, and uh, they found that I had an obstruction to my kidney with uh, stones, so they were going to uh, break up those stones. So the the doctor came, uh, they took me down to uh, O.R., and the doctor came in and was explaining things to my daughter, and then he realized that he could not do that procedure because there was a horrific infection. The kidney had started to swell, and he said, if I do this procedure, uh, she's probably going to become septic, her fever is going to go sky high, and we just can't do this right now. So he elected to... Uh, put a stent in. Meanwhile, back in Mississippi I had a son that was praying for me that God would give the doctor wisdom. And I believe that the Lord granted that prayer of my son and gave that doctor wisdom not to proceed with that procedure. Well, the the nurses came around me before they took me to OR and I reached out my hand to one of the little nurses And I said, do you know the Lord? And I reached out my hand on the other side to another nurse and I said, do you know the Lord? And they came in close to me. And it was as if the Lord had put a circle around us and drew us close to Him. Um, uh, My oldest daughter had already prayed with me. But as they rolled me out to the OR, I was praising the Lord. And she said, Mama... She lost her son two years ago, one of her sons two years ago. She said, Mama, if you see Mark before I do, tell him I love him. I said, Amy, tell the rest of my children I love them. I went into OR and when I awakened my head was clear as a bell and I was, scriptures were just flying out of my mouth. And I did not know if they were for the young male nurse that was attending me or they were for me, but I didn't, I didn't stop whatever God put in my mouth. Uh, I proclaimed. But you know, I think we experience God's mercies daily, but we don't always realize it. We don't give Him praise. But that day, He made me realize that I experienced His mercy. I did not go septic. I never got one degree of fever. God spared me, I believe. And as I lay in that hospital bed for about two weeks, not two weeks, six days, uh, the Lord also revealed something else to me. I had been praying for a few weeks that he would visit me, that I would feel his presence, that my heart would burn within me. And he did that for me in that hospital It was a real time of experience with my Lord. I'll never forget it. And, you know, we say, I'm ready to go. But I'd really like to stay with my loved ones. I said, God, here or there, I just want to be with you. I'll never forget that day. I've never experienced Christ like I experienced him then. And I just want to praise him for his mercies and his tender loving kindnesses to me, his child.
0: Wow. Amen. Let's praise God. Father, we thank you for answering our prayers for Betty's health. Thank you for the testimony that flowed from her spirit. And we pray for many more testimonies to flow from this uh, saint. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So, as we we exit 2017 and we enter 2018, be sure that you leave religion behind. Be sure that you leave the pursuit of accomplishment behind. And let's enter into 2018 with a passion to know him like we've never known him. To experience him like we've never experienced him. If you've ever been closer to Christ than you are now, that degree in which uh, you're not as close is called backslidden. So we have to leave religion. We have to pursue relationships. Secondly, we have to leave comfort for character. We have to be willing to exchange worldly comfort, fleshly comfort for the character of Christ. We'll continue to read as the second part of verse 10 picks up. I want to know Christ. This is religion for relationship. And then we go from comfort to character. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. He said, I want to to know his power. I want his power to rest upon me. I want his presence to emanate through me. I want to be so dependent upon his strength, not mine. I want to know his power, but there's a cost. It's always with the cost. Our salvation is free, but to function in the power and presence of Christ has a cost, and that's to participate in his sufferings, to become like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, To walk in Christ-like character, we have to become like Christ in His death. In simple terms, this means we have to say no to ourselves, and we have to say yes to the Holy Spirit of Christ within us. Yes, the Spirit of Christ is comforting, but the Spirit of Christ never comforts us just to make us comfortable. The Spirit of Christ never comforts us so that we can isolate ourselves with a comfortable group of Christian friends and sit around a campfire and sing Kumbaya. The Spirit of Christ never comforts us simply to make us comfortable. The Spirit of Christ comforts us in order to make us a comforter in other people's lives. And in order to be a comforter in other people's lives, we have to say no to ourselves and we have to say yes to Jesus. For example, Betty's testimony just now, Uh, it was all about saying no to herself and yes to Jesus. She would have been more comfortable sitting there in the comfortable chair. It was uncomfortable to step up here, but she said yes to Jesus because he said when I raise you up testify of my power in your life so she said no to herself and that was uncomfortable but she said yes to the Holy Spirit of Christ and therefore the presence of Christ and the power of Christ encouraged and empowered us and we are called to say no to ourselves and yes to Christ every morning throughout every day this is what Jesus was talking about when he said pick up your cross daily we don't pick up our cross one time and then never have to pick it up again He's not not referring to our salvation there. Our salvation is a one-time decision. He's referring to our ever-increasing sanctification, which is a daily process. And we have to pick up our cross daily and follow. And also, remember this, guys. Yesterday's bold, courageous, fearless, terrifying step of faith is today's comfort zone. And we have to say yes to Jesus afresh out of today's comfort zone, however, the Holy Spirit is leading us and calling us now. I had a I had a, a, a fellowship at my house a few weeks ago, and it was an awesome cookout. It was cold outside. We had a big campfire. We tried to sing Kumbaya around the around the campfire, and we were really kind of wishing we had Cassidy with us. And uh, we we made it through. And then and the, the fire was dying, and uh, some, some people went and they got some some branches. I got a lot of trees around my house, and so they were pulling branches off the trees. And I said, guys, those branches aren't going to burn. I don't mind you pulling branches off my trees, but they're not going to burn. We have to, we have to look around the ground, and we've got to find some dead limbs. And so we found dead limbs, and we brought those back, and the dead limbs burned. In order for Jesus Christ to be set ablaze within us so that people feel the warmth of his love, the warmth of his grace, the presence of his power, and they want to know our God and they want to follow Christ, we have to be set ablaze. And we can't be set ablaze if we're still alive to ourselves. Dead branches burn, not living branches. Dead followers of Christ burn, not people who are living to themselves. And this is what Paul was talking about. I want to know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, somehow being like Christ in His death. In other words, I want to embrace every opportunity to say no to myself, no to my comfort, no to my flesh, no to the praise of others, no to the opinions of others, no to security in others, and yes to Christ. And then Christ's power will shine through me. And then I'll be functioning and the character of Christ likeness. And when we say no to ourselves and we say yes to Jesus Christ and an unbelieving world observes that, they know that there's something real about Christ, there's something resurrected about Christ, there's something true about Christ, and every other religion that proclaims some so-called something is paper thin in comparison to the weightiness of the truth of Christ. I want to know Christ. This is exchanging religion for relationship, which incidentally sets Christ apart from every other religion. Every other religion, remember this guys, every other religion is what we do for some God, and hopefully we'll appease Him at the end of the day, and He'll weigh our good dues against our bads and say, okay, I guess it came, your, your good was better than your bads, come on in. Or your bads outweigh the, the good, so okay, get out of here. Every religion in the world, remember this, every religion in the world, take a systematic religion class in any university and compare it to the truth of the gospel of Christ. Every religion in the world is about what we do for some God. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is about what God has done for us through the person of Christ on the cross. And we can't do anything to earn that. We simply receive it by humbling ourselves and saying, I'm a lost sheep that needs a shepherd. I'm a sinner that needs a savior. Jesus, I trust in the cross for my salvation. Take over my life. And that separates the truth from every other lie that's out there that proclaims to be something. I want to know Christ, religion versus relationship. Yes, to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death. Comfort versus Christ-likeness. And then, as we enter into 2018, let's exchange satisfaction and our walk with God for concentration like we've never had before. Verse 12. And remember, this is the greatest Christian who ever lived, the greatest evangelist, the greatest missionary, the greatest theologian, the greatest church planner, the, the greatest apologists of the gospel. And there's not even a close second. And listen to how dissatisfied he is with his relationship with Christ. He's satisfied in Christ. Don't get me wrong. He's satisfied in Christ he can find no satisfaction in the world, and his heart is deeply satisfied in Christ. He's deeply content in Christ, but he's not satisfied with where he is in Christ. He wants to go further. He wants to go deeper. And he says, not that I've already obtained all this. <laughs> as far as he is, as close as he is, has seen the third husband in heaven. He says, but I haven't obtained. I haven't arrived. So I press on to take hold of that for which Christ has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He said, I I haven't arrived. I want to go deeper. Like Moses, I want to see your face. I want to see your face more than I ever have. I want to hear your voice. God, I I want to experience you like Betty was praying. God, I I want my heart to burn within me in relationship with you. I want my heart to burn within me in your presence. But more than that, I want to go deeper so that I'm so satisfied with you. I'm not satisfied in this world. I, I want to know you more. And I want to lead one more person to Christ. I want to raise one more person up in Christ. I want to lead one more saint out of bondage into freedom. I want to be used by you one more time. I want to find one more opportunity to say no to myself and yes to you. I want to find one more worldly comfort that I can, even if it's not immoral, but it's all moral. I want to find one more worldly comfort I can deny myself and embrace my cross. God, I just, I I want to follow closer. I want to follow you more closely. Is that your heart? Are you sharing in the sufferings of Christ to know him and to make him known? Is that your heart? Have you shed tears over lost people? Have you shared tears over saints who are enslaved and bondage to this world? Have you you shed tears over, over lukewarm followers of Jesus Christ? Have you shed tears to the name of Jesus being slandered? Have you shed tears because you want to know him more than you've ever known him before? Have you shed tears? Have you foregone food? Have you sought his face? Have you locked yourself up in your prayer closet? Have you denied worldly comforts? Have you gone closer? Have you ever been closer to Christ than you have been now? Has your heart ever burned within you more intensely than it has now? Have you ever been more satisfied in Christ than you are now? Then we need to run the race that's set before us. We need, to, we need to repent of being satisfied with where we are in our relationship with Christ. And we need to have a greater concentration. Isn't that an awesome word? Concentration. If water is dissipated, it just floods. If water is concentrated, it has power. And it can even, it can even pave a trench and a pathway. If light is dissipated, it just floods. If light is concentrated, it's a laser beam. And it can even burn through wood. When our relationship with Jesus Christ is dissipated, there's no power, there's no authority. But when we're more concentrated than we ever have been before, so that our eyes are on Christ when we wake up and throughout the day, and our singular ambition is to say no to comfort and yes to the calling and to know Him like we've never known Him before. So that one more person can come to Christ, one more person can grow in Christ, then the dissipated light becomes concentrated and there's power and authority behind it. So as we enter in from, as we exchange 2017 for 2018, let's exchange religion for relationship, comfort for Christ-like character, satisfaction in our relationship with Jesus Christ for greater concentration, and then finally, let's exchange the past For the prize. Verses 13 and 14. 13, the latter part of verse 13. Forgetting what lies behind. This is the past. Let's exchange the past for the prize. Forgetting what lies behind and straining toward what is ahead. Did you see that? Let's exchange the past for the prize. Let's forget about what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead and press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Let's exchange the past. There's a man who was trying to serve in ministry and he was trying to have joy, but, but he just had this sorrow. He always had this sadness. He always feared his past would catch up with him and because of some sin that he committed in his past. And he was explaining that to a, 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 an elderly saint at the church who, who claimed to be able to hear from God. And she said he tested her ability to be able to hear from God. And he said, if you can really hear from God, then what is this secret sin that I'm trying to... get rid of or trying to forget about. And she said, I'll go home and pray about it. God will tell me. And he said, okay. So the next Sunday rolled around and he said, so did. He found her and he nervously asked, did God tell you what my secret sin was? And she said, well, yes, God spoke to me. And he nervously swallowed and said, well, what did God say? And she said, God said, I don't remember. And that's solid theology. God takes our sins and he throws them into uh, the bottom of the sea, and there he remembers them no more. That's the power of the blood of Jesus. He takes our sins and he separates them from us as far as the east is from the west. That's an eternal distance. If you go north, you'll eventually go south. If you go south, you'll go north. If you go east, you always go east. If you go west, you always go west. East and west are eternally apart. Isn't that wise of God that He didn't say, I separate your sins as far as the north from the south because they meet, but as far as the east is from the west? He has not only put our sin in the sea of forgetfulness, but He has separated us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. It's an eternal distance apart. So as we exchange 2017 for 2018 through the blood of Christ, through faith in Christ, let's leave our past in the past. And we can move forward because His mercies are new every morning. But as we exchange 2017 for 2018, let's not only leave the past in the past in terms of the sins that we've committed, but let's leave the past in the past in terms of sins that were committed against us. In terms of our offenses In terms of people's offenses against us. Have you been hurt? Have you been wounded? You've got to leave it in the past. Do not let 2018 or any morning that you wake up for for that matter ever be contaminated by some offense committed against you. I believe it was C.S. Lewis that said, Forgiveness is setting a prisoner free only then to realize you were the prisoner the whole time. It was you that was imprisoned. It was you that was in bondage. When we can't let somebody off the hook, it destroys our sleep. It destroys our ability to love, be loved. It destroys our ability to know God and make Him known. It destroys our joy. It gives us anxiety. It destroys our health. Don't let people's offenses against you enter into 2018 or any morning that we wake up. We have to let them off the hook, and in so doing, set ourselves free. And as long as we have them on the hook, we allow that offense to affect us all over again. Every time we think of the person, every time we think of the offense, it affects us, and we allow them to affect us all over again and they can go on with their lives they're not even thinking about you but you're losing sleep and they continue to control you that offense, that wound is still connecting you to that individual and causing you pain and grief and sorrow and holding you back and you say but it was so horrific it was so offensive I can't let it go And to that, it is so offensive, it is so horrific, it is that much more critical that you do let it go. Because you can't let that influence your life another day. You have to let it go. Easier said than done, right? Yeah, absolutely. Reality is we can maybe will ourselves not to curse them out, but you can't necessarily will your heart to feel good about them and to let it go. And that's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit to set us free. And Jesus gave us some medicine. When I'm sick, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll chug down some Theraflu. And it's horrible. But you feel better, right? And Jesus gave us some medicine that taste bitter at first. This medicine is even more bitter perhaps than the bitterness in our heart, but it's the medicine that we take and we take it by faith and taking that medicine by faith will enable us to be healed and to actually love our offender and only when we're actually able to the point where we love our offender, perhaps pity them, we love them, only then will we be able to forgive them and only then can we be freed from them I didn't say you have to have lunch with them once a week and be accountability partners of anything of that nature. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Reconciliation is a two-way bridge. For example, if I slap Mac in the face and say, I'm sorry, and he says, ah, don't worry about it. And I slap him again and say, I'm sorry, and he says, ah, don't worry about it. And I slap him again and I say, I'm sorry, and he's like, ah, don't worry about it. Now, he may then think twice about having a cup of coffee with me in close proximity. That's called reconciliation. Reconciliation is a two-way street. If he's not sure that I'm not going to slap him again, he doesn't have to reconcile with me. Reconciliation is between Mac and me. But forgiveness is between Mac and God. And he has to forgive me. He has to forgive me from his heart. He may, he may not. And you need counseling, you need prayer, you need discernment to understand to what extent you may need or not need to reconcile, but as far as forgiveness goes, it is a non-negotiable, it is critical he has to forgive him. Reconciliation is between Mac and me, forgiveness is between Mac and God, and if Mac doesn't forgive me, then Mac's walk with God and Mac's relationship with everybody else will be hindered by my offense toward him. Mac could have anger that, that erupts in the most ironic places, but the root of it is because he hasn't forgiven me. And the medicine to forgive, again, sometimes is more bitter than the bitterness itself. And we have to take it every day and even throughout the day. But that's the only way that we're going to be healed and whole and free. Jesus lines it up. Matthew chapter 5. Pray for those who mistreat you. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for, do good to, and bless. None of those action steps, which is the medicine we've got to take, none of those action steps have anything to do with our emotions. They are all conscious decisions of the will. Pray for, do good to, and bless them. And if we take the step of faith to pray for them, to do good to them, to bless them, then the emotions will follow. Again, whether or not we reconcile or not, that's a, that's a whole other topic, or to what degree, that's a whole other topic. But we pray for it, we do good to, and we bless, and the emotions will follow. And sometimes to fall asleep at night, you have to pray for them. Pray blessings upon them. And you don't pray, God, help that sucker to repent so they can see how horrible they are. Pray blessings upon them. When it's in your power, do good to them. When it's in your power, bless them. It places you in the most vulnerable situation, and the Holy Spirit and healing power of God is dramatically attracted to vulnerability. Pray for them, do good to them, and bless them. And by the way, what could be more Christ-like than praying for and doing good to and blessing people who have hurt us? This is the essence of the cross. Jesus is praying for and blessing and doing good to those of us who were crucifying Him with our sins. We are never more Christ-like than when we pray for, do good to, and bless people who have wounded us. Therefore, we are never more um, empowered by the Holy Spirit to know God and make Him known. And the healing will come. I promise the healing will come. Sometimes it happens very quickly. One time Jesus healed a guy. He just said, receive your sight. And the guy saw. Sometimes it's a process. One time Jesus spit on the ground and made mud pies and put them on the guy's eyes and said, go wash your eyes. It was a process. One time Jesus just spit directly in a guy's eyes and said, what do you see? And the guy says, trees or something. that's blurry. He spit again and the guy saw. It was a process. The processes are different. Sometimes healing takes Place like that sometimes healing is a process the guy cuts you off on the road go, lord bless them okay 30 seconds later you're fine if you have anger issues 30 minutes later you're fine <laughs> sometimes when the wound is from a closer friend and it hurts more deeply relationally it's a process sometimes the process might take a week sometimes a month sometimes a year but if you're faithful to take your medicine every single day You'll be more and more healed, more and more whole, and then one day you'll realize that you can think about that person and they're no longer controlling your life. You're free from them. And not only that, you have love for them. And you realize Christ has been healing my heart. And then... Out of the blue, something might happen and it's a trigger and it might cause those emotions to come back like a flood. And you might have another sleepless night or you might lose your joy in the moment. So you start the process all over again and it doesn't take as long and the healing comes quicker. And then finally, you're permanently healed. So as you enter into 2018, leave your sins in the past. They're covered by the blood of Christ and leave your offenses in the past. Forgive and pray for and do good to and bless your offender. Knowing that in so doing, God's going to take care of you. God is going to see to justice. Don't you worry about that. God will see to justice. And that's one of the things that frees us up to simply love our offender. We don't have to fight them. We don't have to get in even with them. We don't have to stand toe to toe with them. Justice is in God's hands. And knowing that justice is in God's hands frees you up just to love them. In fact, it frees you up to love them even more because you know that God is just. And if they don't repent, they were, there will be a day of reckoning and you can have compassion for them for that. Because it's not going to be pretty. It is not pretty. When your offenders don't repent, it is not pretty when their day of reckoning comes. And justice is revealed. And justice will always be revealed. God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. And knowing this frees you to simply love you're offender. All right, guys, let's stand and let's enter. Let's, Cassie, come on up. And Cassie's going to close us out with the worship song, and it'll be your response. And as we, as we exit 2017 and as we enter into 2018, what do you need to focus on? What do you need to exchange? Do you need to exchange religion for relationship? Or perhaps you need to exchange your comfort for Christ-like character? Perhaps you need to exchange satisfaction in your walk with God to a holy concentration, a holy discontent so that you're not satisfied and you want to know anymore, more, you want to lead one more person to Christ. Perhaps you need to exchange your past for the prize of Christ and let something go. Forget about it. God's forgotten about it. Who are you to hang on to it? God is your justice. God will do a far better job of justice than you will, so let it go and press forward. When your heart goes from being burdened to burning, to being satisfied in Christ, you realize this is what life is about. I would invite you guys up to the altar, but I'm afraid y'all would, like, your, your hair would cut on, caught on, catch on fire. So just where you're at, just worship Christ, respond to Christ. Exchange the old for the new, and however this sermon applied to your life. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that we would exchange the old for the new, and we would leave here fully devoted, fully free followers of Jesus Christ, set ablaze, on fire, with a mission to know you and to make you known, in Jesus' name, amen.